0: It's another edition of the Gold and Blue Nation podcast brought to you, as always, by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WBlawfirm.com. It's a football edition of the Golden and Blue Nation podcast. I'm Ryan Decker, and joining me is Angelica Ternone, our Mountaineer football insider, and Sam Coniglio, who helps run the website here at Golden Blue Nation. Guys, football season is less than a week away. I can't
1: even believe it. I know, yeah. I mean, wow, it's not like we have a calendar to tell us that, right? To
0: not like we've been that counting down out. this entire but time.
1: It's, it's one of those that even though it is close, I don't know why to me it still kind of feels far away. I don't know, maybe because we've, we've got some other sports starting, but it's definitely here.
2: Yeah, the athletic season officially started last week, but I mean, it's, it's football is when it really cranks up, you know, around Morgantown. It injects a whole nother life into the city, so it's it's it flew by to me actually. <laughs> so it's, it's been a busy off season, despite you know, it, despite it being the off
0: season, it has been a busy off season for us here at Golden Blue Nation. Hopefully, everyone's been joining us throughout the off season. And of course, we have baseball and, and everything else to keep us busy as well. But of course, this is the football podcast There's as we baseball. get you set.
1: Had to, had to bring up
0: baseball. I had to bring up baseball. We're only a minute and a half into this and of course had to had bring to. up some baseball. But all right, we're gonna take you through what has been an eventful offseason for the Mountaineer football team give you some of our notable returners, key additions, and break down basically everything that's happened since the Guaranteed Rate Bowl and that game against Minnesota. But Angelica, I guess we'll kind of start with you and your eyes. Just take us through the notable returners that have come back to WVU and are into the fold once again for the Mountaineers, and also some of those key additions that we've been talking about pretty much all offseason long.
1: Okay, so if we're talking notable returners, obviously, like, Dante Stills has to be number one, right? Like, he has to be up there on the list. And I just want to say, we had him mic'd up at Fan Day and the amount of people who were thanking him coming back for another season because you know Dante had said you know he wanted to be a two and done type of guy we've got him a few extra years here at West Virginia so when you talk about notable returners I think that he's obviously top of the list but then you look at some guys who have also been in this program that same amount of time in receivers Bryce Ford Ween and Sam James and of course our favorite guy Casey the leg right everyone's favorite kicker he'll be back and then two speaking of Dante Stills, I think the offensive line and the defensive line are really where those notable returners come in. Everybody back on the offensive line as well. You've got Jared Bartlett there at the bandit position. Then, of course, a a guy who has got a lot of preseason, I don't know if I want to use the word hype, because I think it has all been pretty deserved, is Charles Woods. Um, You know, people with high expectations for him, so he'll be back. And then whenever we go to some key additions, our favorite guy, Lee Koba, and his biceps. Lovely. He's here. I love You know, he's hoping to replicate a Carl Joseph-type season in the number eight. We're certainly looking forward to that. Then you have guys like Jazeer Cox, Brian Palinde. Oh, of course, JT Daniels, right? Nico Markiel there at the quarterback position, too. So I think while, you know, from the spring heading into the off season, I know it's kind of hard to look at last year's roster compared to this year and be like, hey, man, that's – kind of a lot that's missing per se um, because a lot of those guys did have big roles for whatever reason that they're no longer with the team but I think West Virginia did a great job of getting to the transfer portal exhibit a JT Daniels coming in here for this team I think West Virginia made some really good additions and I know most of these guys we're going to talk about them a little bit more in depth but most of these guys are you know, just looking for a chance to prove themselves. And I think the, the newcomers or the new additions almost are kind of getting that same buzz around them as some of these guys who we're calling notable returners as well.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And Sam, it, she brings up the transfer portal and how Neil Brown and his staff has attacked it. That's one thing he said he was going to do, and he certainly, I think, followed up on that sentiment throughout this offseason. He, he attacked the transfer portal.
2: Yeah, I mean, JT Daniels is obviously the flashiest guy. That they brought in but they brought in a lot of other quality players at least at least we'll find out if they're their fbs quality but you know angelica mentioned jasir cox that's a guy from north dakota state fcs that might not jump out on the page but he's a national champion a national champion regardless of what what level he has and you know that that's a valuable thing to just know how to win is is a very you know that it comes at a premium in college football when you only have 12 games to play. You know that, that's, that comes at a premium. And then Lee Kuba, again, another guy, came out of the JUCO. He already has D1 experience, but had, had, had some issues at Syracuse, went to, went to JUCO and instantly became one of the best recruits in the country. And, and he's the centerpiece of the defense now. Dante Stills is obviously the biggest name on the defense, but Lee Kuba is the mic. He's going to be the, the centerpiece. So, yeah, like you said, a lot of good transfers. A lot of guys might have gone out, but a lot of great guys came in too.
0: And one of the guys that came in that we haven't talked about yet, and I think we will at some point here, is Parker Grothaus, the kicker from Florida State, who Neil Brown at one point in August did say was more maybe the most under-radar addition of the offseason for WVU, what he can do in the kickoff uh, game for the Mountaineers. What he did at Florida State was huge. But, Angelica, you got brought up a good point before we got started here. Not only on-the-field additions happened over the offseason, but some sideline coaching additions were brought in over the offseason for the Mountaineers.
1: Of course West Virginia has a new offensive coordinator Graham Harrell and if we want to talk about high expectations for anybody on this team I mean just talking to whether it be fans or other people in the media I think people are really looking forward to see what a Graham Harrell offense is going to look like and how he is going to use these pieces because again on offense specifically with the exception of being at quarterback, a lot of these pieces have already been here and been in play. So I think seeing how maybe they'll find success in a different way and be utilized differently, just like the tight ends, you know, for an example, um, I think that has a lot of anticipation. And then, of course, wide receiver coach Tony Washington, he's a new addition as well. And talking to the receivers this offseason, a lot of excitement and I'm not saying that this wasn't there before because they they made this a point to say, hey, we're not knocking Jared Parker. They love Jared Parker, the former receivers coach. But Tony Washington, with his NFL experience, his pedigree, he's almost been able to do more of a teach by example. And I don't know that, you know, West Virginia maybe had it to this caliber as they had with Tony Washington. So I know a lot of the guys have – maybe just learn things in a different way and are able to grasp things a little bit better on and off the field from Tony Washington. And then same thing with Graham Harrell. I mean, you talk to anybody, any position, they're like, hey, I don't know that we've been, I mean, James Gamitter has been in this program for a few years. He's one of the guys who comes to mind that was like, I don't know that there's been this much excitement within the offense about the potential from this minute that Graham got here and spoke to them in January. So... I think those two additions are just as important as any of the other ones, and I um, think I speak for all of us here when I'm looking forward to see what, how, how that also can help change the offense, obviously go from the top down, but just to see how those guys will be able to transform this West Virginia offense into something that Neil Brown himself – said needed to happen over the offseason right
0: yeah and and you talk about tony washington the experience he brings there's for lack of a better term a validity to what he's saying because of his his experience and again not that jared parker and other coaches in the past haven't had that but there is that validity to it and the same thing with graham harrow i i remember i think it was james gemitter who you mentioned there early on in the offseason right after graham got hired he he said you could just tell it's going to be a big shot offense in this in the sense that they can take shots downfield but they can also kind of kill you by a thousand paper cuts almost, uh, for lack of a better term. But, uh, Sam, what's, I guess, kind of your sense of those two additions, those coaching additions that have happened this offseason? I
2: mean, look, uh, to borrow an example from the NBA, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and, and Draymond Green were all on the same team for several years. Under Mark Jackson, they could barely get out of the first round of the playoffs. Add st- Add Steve Kerr, year two, they won 73 games in the regular season. Um, so, you know, adding, adding – New blood to the sideline could be a, a, a massive uh, upside to, to this team. And Graham Harrell has, has a great track record, and Tony Washington has excellent experience in the game of football. The,
0: the third down success that Graham Harrell's had in his offense is really what sticks out to me as well, talking about uh, the new offensive coordinator for the Mountaineers. So let's kind of dig into the offseason a little bit more here for WVU. And one of the biggest things I know Neil has talked about a lot this offseason, Angelica is the difference between this offseason and last offseason and the buildup to the season opener. Obviously, it's a rivalry game in both instances. A little bit more energy around the backyard brawl, but there's a lot of differences contrasting styles to how the Mountaineers have approached this offseason.
1: I don't think it will be a surprise to anybody when we say West Virginia was not pleased with its 2021 season opener at Maryland. So while a lot of of the focus since really the end of the season has been that pit game. I think that coach Brown had said in a way they almost had to go back and focus on last year's season opener against Maryland, because clearly what they did leading up to it did not get the result they wanted. So he said, it wasn't even just in, in the fact of, you know, Oh, we just maybe changed, you know, some things in the way that we prepared. It was more, you know, they changed practice times, how many day how many days they practiced, the hours that they practice they try to get them out of there in the evenings not keep them as long and maybe focus more on you know having this recovery time and different things along those lines it's just a lot of things seemed different and coach brown said that that is something that had to happen so you almost take everything that they did last year leading up to maryland find out why it wasn't good enough and make it good enough this time around. Now, like he said, of course, you won't know if he found the perfect, perfect recipe until September 1st, right? But I think that that's almost just for any, anybody maybe out there on the fence about this team, have some reservations, right? While that is normal, I think you have to almost, you know, have to feel maybe a little bit better knowing that not only do they, you know, also have high expectations, but they're making sure that they're changing any and everything necessary to have these expectations and even scrimmaging on Thursdays because obviously they're going to open up on a Thursday. Now, while this is unique to this season, you know what I mean? Just little things like that, making sure that they're getting them there. And while we talk about obviously the anticipation for this game too, I think it adds a different feel because – I don't know how you're going to mimic the emotion that can go into this game, right? So a lot of it is doing those different things at practice to almost just make sure you have a different mindset in hopes that the different mindset will result in a different outcome whenever you go out there, if that makes sense.
2: And even from like a a more tangential or a a tangible, excuse me, uh, standpoint, you know, they were able to utilize new ncaa rules to their advantage obviously everybody has this benefit of off-season otas but you know this year it was an especially big talking point that once they showed up they want to fall camp everybody knew the playbook except for you know freshmen that were filtering in but you know most guys come in during the summer anyway so they've been doing football once the spring ended they didn't stop doing football they kept doing football and the entire time they've been preparing specifically for September first. We'll see how it pays off. Obviously, like Angelica said, but you know, it, definitely a new era of college football, and, and and we'll see. Like I said, we'll see how it pays
0: out. You mentioned knowing the offense there right off the bat, basically in the spring. That's one thing that kind of stood out to me about Graham Harrell was he said obviously he's going to put his own spin on the offense, all the terminology and things, but he tried to keep a lot of that terminology as similar as possible. So that way, the guys who were already here and established, they could just pick it up right away and really not miss a beat. Uh, and same, what you said about the OTAs, I was going to mention that as well. That was a big sticking point for WVU and for Neil Brown in, in the summer as well.
1: I want to add to what you just said about Graham Harrell, um, you know, learning the terminologies, you know, whenever it comes to learning the playbook, I think something that's extremely important to think about as well is when he came in here, he wasn't a this is what I call it, this is what I want to do, it's, this is my way. He talked to the guys, tr- got their sense of what do you like, what do you think works best, and he was willing to change what he has done as an offensive coordinator to make sure that it fits this West Virginia personnel. And I think that that is a really big piece of what this offense is going to look like this season because while everybody is saying, you know, he's going to throw the shots downfield, he has said, by no means should you just come out here and expect it to look like Mike Leach Air Raid, who he right. had learned from, right? So he had said that they're going to find the one to two things that West Virginia does best, and they're going to make sure that they're almost near perfection whenever they do it, right? So instead of trying to have so many different things that you can be successful at, I think it's it's important to note that since he got here, he's almost stripped things down on the offense got it to the bare bones to figure out what works. But also, I really like the way he's worked with the players to show them that, you know, obviously their opinion is valid, but that he really values how they see things. So, you know, there were times when he said, we'd have similar plays, but maybe I called it something different. But, you know, if if every single returner knows it is this, how am I going to force them to call it something different? I have to learn. So I think that that that's something, you know, important to look at and just kind of speaks to, the play caller and the person that Graham is whenever it really comes to his knowledge of the game and what he is going to be able to do with those pieces. So I just wanted to add that.
0: No, no, for sure. And I think that's one thing that Neil Brown kind of spoke to, at least in a way, at Big 12 Media Days, and also Graham's ability to change on the fly in the course of a game, which is admittedly, and he admitted this, Neil did, one thing that Neil has struggled with at times, because he was not only calling plays, but he's doing all the other head coaching duties that are associated with that job. You bring in an offensive coordinator like Graham, who his sole focus is the offense, and he has because he played the position of quarterback, and because he's done this for enough years now, he's got that feel of, uh, for example, if the right zone runs not working, but the left zone is, let's start running to the left until that kind of well runs dry to to a degree.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't hurt at all that they're all, you know, this is all basically, they're all Air Raid products, all Neil Brown, Graham Harrell. So they all come from that Mike Leach coaching tree. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's kind of a cliche thing, you know, when we're talking about football coaches, but it, it's, it's a real thing. And, and it's, it's, it, it brings a lot of value when you already have that baseline chemistry the second you step into the building.
0: Yep, for sure. Uh, one more thing on the preparation, I guess, of the off season. I thought it was really interesting when at one point here throughout, I think it was early in the fall, Coach Brown said that he actually contacted some people at Troy and asked them what they did to get ready for some midweek or Thursday games in preparation of this backyard brawl, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier of wiping the slate clean from last offseason and really becoming a well-oiled machine going into this year's season opener.
1: And of course, not only beneficial for the season opener, but including that, there's three Thursday night games, and they're all pretty big for West Virginia. you got two rivalries, and then you've got Baylor coming in here. We all know what they were able to do in the Big 12 Conference last year. So I think that that also, like how we had said, they were going back, trying to find all of those different things. When Coach Brown was talking about the difference in Thursday night to Saturday, at least what I got from our conversation about it was the the biggest difference comes down to recovery. So that's another reason of going back and determining, you know, maybe you don't practice as long, but you practice, you know, more um, good on good, so to speak, for a longer period of time. And then that way that allows you that extra time to focus on those things. So this year – has a number of different ways that things are just really different than years past. And I think that also adds to the anticipation surrounding this team and hopefully the changes that can follow along with that.
0: If you guys aren't ready for the Thursday night kickoff in Pittsburgh, just get ready for the Thursday night in Provo. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Just get ready for those Thursday night trips to Utah. I'm so excited for it, right? That's what everyone is looking forward to right no, no. my bones no?
1: are also aching thinking about that plane ride
0: yeah that's four Just probably I'm, I'm thinking a four hour plane ride G- oh, guess it has to be right at least I, I i don't know i mean you fly probably more than i than i do so put put your put your flight hat on there
1: you know what i, I don't really know the longest that it takes us um I can't, I think, obviously, probably Ames, right? I don't pay attention to the flight times. Do you want to know why? I sit beside Tony Caridi, and Tony does this thing to where as soon as we take off, and, to, like, as soon as you feel wheels hit, come off the ground, he hits start on the stopwatch. Then the second we end, like, we even have this thing that if he's sleeping, and we know that we're about, like, I, I can't sleep on these planes. So when I know we're about to land, I make sure he is awake so he can hit stop. And I – you were with me, Ryan, for Big 12. You know yeah. I started to do that. Yes, you have. Look
0: at that. TC's rubbing TV's off on me. He's rubbing off on me. Yeah. So, you
1: know what? Maybe this year I will actually pay attention to what the times are instead of paying attention to the excitement Tony gets out of
2: calculating the times. For, for the record, I just Googled it, and Ryan, you're a wizard. It's three wow. hours and 50 minutes. Three hours and sa- 50 minutes. It's okay. to Salt Lake City, Utah. It's All right.
0: three hours, 50 minutes. All right. Now, I, I'm just – Based on experience with Angelica, we cut off about a half hour oh, of that last trip to yeah. Dallas. So, I'm thinking that boils down to that
2: 325, Sam. Wow, that would be amazing. Okay, re- pencil it in. All right. We'll
1: revisit it here in a, uh, few, years but, we'll a few
2: years. Better not hear any coaches complain about travel times. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> that's easy. That's an easy flight. All right, well, that's maybe the strength of Tony Caridi.
0: On top of all of his broadcasting skills, it's timing out a flight to the exact millisecond that it takes off and lands in various locations around the country but Angelica let's start with you the strength and weakness maybe let's stick with strengths though of this mountaineer team or do we need to go back to position battles maybe should, should
1: we I think we could probably we could probably you know lump them into one okay. situation I kind of jumped
0: around on the on no, the layout here you
1: know we got we got off to topic thinking of just about all the flights and I was thinking about all those times so what I think the strength of this year's team is going to be. I think, I don't know how I'm, okay. I'm trying to make sure that I give a solid answer here. I'm saying offensive line. Now, I know that in years past, the offensive line has, you know, taken a bit of heat. And as the offensive line coach, Matt Moore has always said, Give me some time, I'm going to get him there, right? When you look at who is on this offensive line, still undetermined whether it will be Jaquay Hubbard or Brandon Yates whenever it comes to right tackle, but I don't know that the starter necessarily matters from that standpoint because let's just lump Brandon Yates into it because he started there last year, that these guys all have starting experience. They all have starting experience with each other, which I think is extremely important because – for even just last year even letty brown would say every time that there was you know a potential for a big play and it didn't work it was because there was just one guy who maybe was just not on the right count just didn't move i mean the small small things but obviously those things lead to bigger results in this game so I think the fact that West Virginia has chemistry on the offensive line, it also has experience. You have a guy like Zach Fraser on the offensive line who is obviously respected by his teammates but just has so much knowledge at every position. I think a lot of West Virginia's problems in the past were you didn't know what the offensive line was going to do game by game. There wasn't that consistency. I think the so yeah, the strength is going to be the consistency of the offensive line is what I think. And even whenever you look that Coach Brown said he wants to have seven players ready to play, and then obviously the best five are going to go out. But also a strength is the versatility. Guys like Jordan White, Brandon Yates, Jaquay, and even Doug Nestor have the ability to play two to three different positions. And, you know, they've been getting three separate people, snaps at center. I mean, just, you know, preparing for – whether it's an injury, whether, you know, somebody will fit best here. So I think for me, strength, offensive, offensive line. Hmm. (laughs) I think the strength comes down to the offensive line because I do think they are going to have the consistency. And a lot of those, those guys there up front are also the ones that we have heard that have made strides in the weight room as well. And I think that that is also going to be a big difference. I think that last year, Maybe it wasn't as cohesive in terms of having the strength to go up against these huge defensive lines in the Big 12 Conference. I think from a physical standpoint as well, they will be better able to do that successfully this season
0: before sam and i get into our strengths of the mountaineers angelica let's go back to i guess somewhat plugging the neil brown show which will be coming up here later on this weekend uh he sat down with us earlier this week and did kind of talk about some of the position battles that have been happening throughout camp
1: yeah so we'll go through and you know he had said he he knows that there he hasn't released his depth chart yet right now maybe by the time that this podcast goes out he will have you know, we will have been sent something from the heavens in the form of a depth chart. Hope so. But again, that just goes kind of to what I was saying. I think there's just so much versatility and athleticism on this team this year that obviously the starters are important, but I think those guys who are going to come in and replace them, especially um, obviously the number twos, but even the number threes, I think is going to be equally as important because it seems like that versatility and depth is going to be a big thing for West Virginia. So As this moment in time, no official quarterback announcement, so I'm going to skip by that one. We'll start up front. So, like I said, the best five will start. This is what Coach Brown had told us. Obviously, it will be Wyatt Milam, Doug Nestor, Zach Frazier, um, James Gmitter, and then we could see Jordan White, Jaquay, or Brandon Yates, but expect to see a seven-man rotation throughout the season. Whenever it comes to tight end, we've got Michael Laughlin. Everybody has been, you know, anxiously awaiting his return, so to speak, because he's been dealing with an injury. But then behind him, it's also helped Brian Palinde, a newcomer to this program, kind of get that valuable experience that he maybe wouldn't have had if Mike wasn't hurt. So those two guys will be one and two, and then Traylon Davis. And this is important to note because Coach Brown anticipates all three of these guys seeing time just because of, what Graham did with tight ends at USC and we have also heard this offseason that they want them to be you know a more consistent piece in this West Virginia offense. Whenever it comes to wide receivers we have the top five Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sam James, Caden Prather, Reese Smith, and a newcomer Cortez Bram who will be kind of vying for those I don't want to call them extra roles but maybe the opportunity to work themselves in into a more consistent backup rotation, Grayson Malisevich, Preston Fox, and Jeremiah Aaron. Um, Whenever it comes to running back, we know Tony Mathis is going to be the number one guy up there. Coach Brown has said, do not expect any fall off from Tony Mathis this season. Of course, Justin Johnson, he got some valuable reps in game action last year, but he and C.J. Donaldson will kind of be, you know, just adding to this, Cliché, three-headed monster in the backfield, right? That those are two guys who, depending on what they need at the time, um, is who we will see. And again, that just speaks to the versatility. I think all three of them have different skill sets to be able to help this team. Whenever it comes to defense, Coach Brown said this could be the most athletic defense, and he also told us at Big 12 Media Days he thinks that this has the opportunity to be the best all-around defense they have had here at West Virginia just because of all of the pieces being able to work together so we obviously know who's going to be up front we've got Dante Stills Dante Stills Dante Stills Taj Alston and Jordan Jefferson those guys plenty of experience when it comes to linebacker our guy Lee Koba Lance Dixon a guy who had a great offseason as well and then X Relo a guy who's been with this program for a while season-ending injury last year Excited to have him back. They do need a fourth. Coach Brown did stress that. They are looking for that fourth linebacker to emerge. When it comes to cornerbacks, Charles Woods, Wesley McCormick, Rashad Ajayi. Those are the three that they're looking for at corner. Aubrey Burks, Marcus Floyd. He says they've proven that they can show up in the secondary. And then Jazeer Cox, Davis, Malinger at those spear position. But the one area of emphasis still that he wants to see is backup safeties emerge that's kind of if we're going to pick a necessity for this team i think that that's kind of where it comes in but again it's a lot of people who have potential to make plays in the secondary but like sam brought up at the beginning a lot of these guys do have fcs experience but one thing in talking to almost all of them the reason that they're here is they want to prove they can play At this level right so I think that these are guys who have played a lot of football and hopefully they will be able to mesh with the experience and returners that West Virginia has more on the front side of the defense so while we don't have an official depth chart write that down uh, in pencil perhaps as who you can kind of expect to see at least on the field come September 1st now again I just would like to stress because coach Brown has stressed that you know a number of people will be rotating in different positions so don't think that that means you know one guy has lost a starting position or one guy maybe isn't up to the standard it just means whatever they need right then and there for that game for that opponent they feel this person will be the best you know to go in so there's my disclaimer whenever it comes to that and of course Watch the Neil Brown Show this weekend. You can find all of the information on how to do so. You can also watch it after it airs at goldenbluenation.com as well. So I strongly encourage you to do that.
0: Of course, definitely watch the Neil Brown Show. Uh, Sam, before you get into your strength of this Mountaineer team, I guess your reaction to part of that depth chart breakdown that Angelica just had, any surprises, any names that really kind of stuck out to you? We've been hearing about these position battles all summer and all fall. But there were a couple new names in there, I thought. Yeah, um, I
1: forgot punter. We've got, a, we've got a battle at punter. We Colton do. Colton McGee right. and Oliver do. Straw as well. Um, I do believe it will be the first option that we see first and the hope that Oliver Straw, Colton McGee has college football experience. The Australian Oliver Straw does not. I think that um, we could see him as the season goes as well so I think it's kind of more of how quickly can Oliver Straw get up to speed at this level of the game.
2: Yeah I think the biggest thing with the depth chart this year is if if you kind of listen through that whole thing the 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 biggest takeaway is most of those positions especially on offense that they're returning guys you know it 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 seems during the offseason that the transfer portal kind of ravages the team but that's not really the case. I mean, when when we showed up to the first day of fall camp, we kind of had an idea of who was going to be, generally speaking, in every single different spot. You know, obviously we're still waiting on quarterback, and some of, in the secondary especially a lot of new names that we weren't ex- that we didn't know about. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a very good uh, s- starting point for the season. Uh, you know, a lot of familiar names in the depth chart. Prit and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Prit and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Prit and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Prit and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Prit and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com.
0: How about your strength for this
2: Mountaineer yeah. team? Oh, yeah, my, my strength for this Mountaineer team, my strength this year is uh, defensive line, um, uh, kind of going on the other end. That's another position group similar to the offensive line. A lot of starters returning. Dante Stills has, has the p- potential to to follow his brother and be another All-American. He's etching his name in, in, in the record books. But you hear uh, defensive line coach Andrew Jackson talking you know, What's, he said what's keeping him up at night is not the fact that they have a lack of talent, but they have too much talent. Um, and and a lot of freshmen, Asani Redwood especially, has been getting a lot of praise in in, in the preseason. Not necessarily that he's going to get a lot of playing time per se. I, I don't know that. I don't have necessarily a crystal ball. But you know, with Dante Stills, Taj Alston, uh, Jordan Jefferson, a lot of guys coming back, a lot of quality players. And, and I mean – now the, the the second and third most player, second and third highest pay, paid players. My goodness, I can't speak today. On an NFL team, are are the, the sack guys? You know, so that's because they make a major impact on the game, and and especially in an offense-driven league like the Big Twelve, if those guys can get in the backfield, which I think they can, that could win them a lot of games this season.
0: So you went with the uh, the defensive line. I'm going to go with the experience, which is something I think we've all kind of talked about, at least at some point here on this podcast so far. But there's just so much experience on this team. We talk about the new faces, the new jerseys in the secondary, but it's a lot of experience, whether it's at the JUCO, the FCS, the FBS level. They've got experience, some of them with championship pedigree. You look in some of the pieces they've brought in or have at least have improved, in the front seven of the defense it's a lot of experience as well and then on offense you know Tony Mathis he's going to be a new starter this year but he's got experience from last season lots of experience at least in the front couple three in the wide receivers room and in the quarterback room is really the only position group that doesn't have a lot of experience to it but that's sort of based on who becomes a starter JT Daniels is named the starter there's experience there it might I only be 21 games
1: you're
0: Explain game experience. Yes. In-game experience, yes. But like Neil Brown talked about uh I think just last week, big game experience too. A lot of these players on this team have it. Nico Markial played, just looking at the quarterback position, Nico Markial played in some of the most televised, most watched high school football games in the country last season. Garrett Green played at Oklahoma, or played you know against Oklahoma, I should say, uh played in some of the bigger games that WVU played in last season. So even at some of the position groups where the player themselves might not have a lot of in-game experience, there is experience within those position groups. So I think experience, just kind of as a whole, is the strength of this Mountaineer team this year. Now, does that turn into wins? Still remains to be seen. We'll find out, I guess, starting September 1st, but let's keep it moving here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. We're previewing the 2022 WVU football season. Angelica Trenone, Sam Caniglio, and Ryan Decker here with you. Let's move forward now to our players to watch this season, or I guess the caveat maybe being a player, maybe not a starter, maybe not one of the most notable returners who we think can have a big impact for the Mountaineers this season. Um, we haven't started with Sam yet, so let, let's start with Sam Coniglio here. Who's your big impact players on both sides of the football?
2: Offense, I'll start with uh, a freshman, C.J. Donaldson. If, if I remember correctly, he's, he was the last guy to send in his uh, national letter of intent on, on in the December signing day he was signed as a, as a tight end but immediately within a week he was sent over to the running back room he's a big guy 240 pounds and he's he's been uh, one of those guys that's been talked about a lot um, and one we didn't really foresee that we don't know how much he's going to play the only thing we do know is he is going to play that's kind of what Neil Brown indicated um, and and it's 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 an interest. He's an interesting guy because, like I said, you don't you don't see that tight end of running back move a whole lot. Um, but what that indicates is that he's a. They think he's a dynamic athlete that can be used all over the place. He can block. He can run. He can catch the ball. So, um, you know, when, when when things get moving along in his career, it's it'll be interesting to see where he where he'll be able to play because Sean Regan, the tight ends coach, kind of said, you know they want to use him everywhere it's just a matter of when they'll be able to do that so um, <clears throat> then on the defensive side I'm going to go to Lance in the linebacker um, transfer from Penn State he had his first year at WVU last season one of those guys that kind of came in quietly into the into the roster um, but immediately now he's one of the leaders on the defense um, kind of kind of the changing times of college football you know where, where a transfer comes in and immediately needs to be a leader but WVU had that a couple of years ago with Alonzo Adai. You know, that that's with that kind of experience in Power Five football and last season at WVU, it's definitely, I think he could be one of those guys that could really explode on the scene, similar to a a Charles Woods last season. So, yeah, CJ Donaldson on offense and Lance Dixon on defense for me.
1: I want to add, too, I think something that could really help Lance Dixon is he told us what he gained between 10 to 15 pounds since the end of last season. Yeah. Um, he, he's given Lee Koba a run for those biceps up there uh, at the podium. You can definitely tell. Um, so I, I think that, that that is something, too, that, you know, Sam, speaking to your point, a guy who did have success last year was able to um, – was the best defender in terms of stats in the bowl game has only went and, you know, kind of made more of a case for himself to, to one-up that in terms of the weight room. So uh, players to watch for me. Offensively, I'm going with Reese's Cup, Reese Smith. I think that um, whenever it comes to receivers, obviously Sam James, Bryce Ford Wheaton, again, like I talked about at the beginning, they are guys who have been around this program for a while. But I think here's, here's why I think Reese could be one of those players to watch is when he was up at the podium a couple weeks ago and he was asked, like, what's your biggest change, you know, from this offseason and you know do you think you can maybe be in a more impact role he had just he had said point blank he was not happy with his playing time last year but not even in a standpoint of he didn't feel he was getting what he deserved he felt he did not make the necessary development to get him to where he deserved to where to the place he deserved to be in terms of into the rotation so of course we know the familiarity between him and Neil Brown for those of you who don't know Reese Smith went to Neil Brown's high school they're from the same area you go there a record Neil Brown set at a receiver I bet you Reese Smith broke it so they've had this you know connection this relationship for longer than maybe coach Brown has had with any other player on this current team and that allowed Reese to go to coach Brown and say hey give me the tough love tell it to me straight i know I'm not where I need to be for you to have the confidence in me. So what do I need to do? He said they brought Mike Joseph in on this conversation as well. They were like, Mike Joseph told him what he needed to do. Coach Brown told him what he needed to do. And now just hearing that from him, it kind of backs up. Okay, let me me try to put it this way. It kind of more – I don't want to say backs up the statement that Coach Brown always says because I'm not saying that obviously he's coming up and telling us things that aren't true, but it it just kind of gives more um, of an insight into why almost every week when Coach Brown is talking about people who have stood out of practice, people who have stood out at the scrimmages, he says Reese Smith is the most consistent wide receiver. We talk about consistency, how important it is at that position, and it shows that he had the right mindset of, I know I can be better instead of why aren't you giving me, you know, along those lines. So I think Reese did the necessary mental and physical changes, work on himself, however you want to say. I think that Reese did that. And I think Reese has now put himself in a position to be one of those players who is an impact player for this West Virginia team. Reese Smith is who I'm going with on offense. Defensively, I'm going with Jazeer Cox. We talk about guys, FCS to FBS level. I think Jazeer obviously brings his winning mentality. He was a high school state champion. He won um, a national championship three of the four years that he was at North Dakota State. And I think for a guy to wanna leave that type of program, he said he felt he accomplished everything that he possibly could as a bison and now it was time to show all of that could come into play at the power five level and something interesting that shadon brown one of the defensive assistant coaches said is whenever speaking about the guys even charles woods falls into this category a guy who made the jump up to to that next level is he said he shadon brown being he said he had cut his teeth as a coach at the FCS level so he knows what those players are made of and now himself coming to the higher level as a coach he said he thinks that there's really not a better program like West Virginia for these guys to go to because almost that mentality that blue collar mentality he called it that you have to have to make that jump to earn where you are he said about it that's the identity of a west virginia football team and that's the identity of a guy looking to prove himself going from the fcs to the fbs level so i think jazir cox is one of those guys who is not only going to show that he fits the culture the identity everything that this program is about which is equally as important as what you do on the field i also think even though he is a guy who is new to this team. He is also somebody who is respected and looked up to as a leader by a lot of these other guys because of the success that he was able to have. And he told him, he had said he had told his fellow teammates, I know what it's like to have been at the top of the mountain, right? And what I'm gonna do is try to make sure I can come here. And even if that means we don't achieve it together, I hope that still I've instilled something in you to achieve it in the future for this program. He's just hoping to play his part in taking this program to the next level. So that is why I'm picking him as somebody to watch because I think both of these guys, Ree Smith and Jazier Cox, are about the right things off of the field and I would love nothing more but for that to translate to on the field success for both of them. So that's why I think they will be impact players um, because they already have that right foundation. Now it's about putting the talent with it, and I think that they both have the talent to do that.
0: One thing that sticks out to me too, while you were talking about both those players, if you cut the off-season in half, just say from May forward to to December and then May to now, Reese Smith and Jasir Cox might be the two most talked about players on this team from May to right now. You didn't hear a lot about either of those guys, even in their position groups prior to you know in the first half of the offseason but really and especially over the last two or three weeks I mean Reece Smith's name is coming up it was every time we either have Neil Brown or you have an offensive assistant and Jasir Cox's name is coming up a lot more often the last couple of times we've spoken to defensive assistants or, or to Jordan Leslie Leslie we've heard from him so both of those guys especially once summer kind of kicked into gear you can tell those two are taking the right stride so hopefully that means they're uh, kind of on the right track I guess, heading into this season. My two players to watch. First one, I'm going to start on the defensive side of the football. Pretty obvious. uh, Jumped on him in the pre-production meeting pretty quickly. Lee Kuba. I mean, you can't talk about a player to watch this year, especially on the WVU defense, without talking about Lee Kuba. You mentioned his biceps earlier. They do just kind of bulge out of the shirts when he sits down at the podium for a press conference. But then you hear him talking it's a lot of the same mentality you just you just spoke about with Jasir Cox that the want to prove you can do it at this level on this team you you see that out of Lee and then also I mean you can just tell you you, you see it when you see him on the field he knows what he's doing out on the football field there is no doubt that he knows the position to be in how to get from point A to point B in a very efficient manner and then also in a way the Carl Joseph I think comparison is going to be running all, all throughout the season Carl Joseph knew how to provide a pretty sturdy hit to the opposition Lee Kuba knows how to prove, how to how to deliver a pretty sturdy hit to the opposition so Lee Kuba I think on the defensive side of the ball the player to watch this year outside of those notable returners that we mentioned earlier and then on offense I'm going to go Brian Palinde and twofold here is to the reason why one, because I think that the reputation he has as a run-blocking tight end obviously needed in this West Virginia offense based on what we saw and have seen the last couple years with the run production that WVU has gotten. They need someone who can help set that edge in the rushing game. So I think that will be a big ability for him, so a big contribution point of emphasis for Brian Polindi. But the other thing that Sean Regan just spoke about this earlier this week, he went from Brian did a 40% catch... Percentage early in the off season to now at least according to the coaches a 100% wow. catch percentage this off season and here in fall camp that's a guy who's really worked at his craft over the last couple of weeks and months and depending on the availability of Michael Laughlin we might need we being WVU I should say Brian Palendi to be a weapon in the passing game. He might be really important, especially third down offense, which Graham Harrell's offenses have excelled at here, really ever since he became an offensive coordinator. Uh, Brian Polendi could be, I think, a big weapon that, you know, you you get further down into the depth chart. Obviously, someone's got to cover Bryce Ford Wheaton, someone's got to cover Sam James, uh, Tony Mathis, and and all the other guys. At some point, someone's got to be left open. It could be a Brian Polendi in some of these sets. Uh, it's, It's possible there.
1: Another thing that I think that all six of the guys, well, maybe I'm only going to say five because I'm taking C.J. Donaldson out of this equation. The only reason, because we have not heard from him yet, not been able to speak to him, and because he is so new to the game compared to these other guys, but all of them that we just talked about all have the one thing in common that Coach Brown said would separate starters from guys who could – potentially fade into the background as season as the season goes on is these are guys who have the ability to make every single person around them not only like rise to their playing standard but play better you brought up lee you brought up lance dixon we have heard from both of them lance say playing alongside lee Koba makes me have to play every single snap at the top of my game because if not then it's obviously going to be on me because we know he is Lee has said the same thing, that when you're going against a guy like that, you know every single time, every snap, it is going to be the best effort. Brian Pelinde said one of the things that he preaches about playing, play every play like it's your last play because you never know when it will be. So he's 100% every single time out there. So I think these are the type of guys who have the ability to make everyone around them not only want to play better but show that they too – have a different level to their game, so I think everyone that we just mentioned um, kind of goes to that, you know, same uh, same similarity. as I think that they're really going to be able to help this team off of the field as well, and kind of how that will translate. So I just that was a similarity I was picking up on, and again, C.J. Donaldson maybe could fall into that, but just because he's you sure. know, somebody who's more unknown right. uh, than these guys, um, I just think that, that that really shows kind of the guys that West Virginia has on this team this year.
0: And, and of course, C.J. still kind of learning how to be a college athlete to to, to some respects, but but learning how to be a running back. (laughs) And, Sam, you mentioned that you don't see that switch very often. I mean, you really don't see that switch very often, the tight end to running back. And really, uh, Sean said only had him for about a week, and then it was, hey, we we need you at running back. And it sounds like C.J. Donaldson's fitted that pretty well.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mike O. has – he made the switch from wide receiver to tight end. And, you know, stock blocking is obviously different than blocking on the line. But, you know, going from taking handoffs to, to blocking guys down the line is, is an even more stark difference. But, yeah, I mean, it looks like he could be the number three back, which is pretty impressive for a guy who's never played the position before. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to see what's, seeing what he can do on the field.
0: The athleticism that we've heard about for C.J. Donaldson just seems to jump off the page from what we've heard, especially here recently, about him. So that's a lot of the X's and O's conversation. Of course, we'll get into more X's and O's, I'm sure, as the season goes along. But let's get into the Backyard Brawl now. We've kept everyone waiting long enough to get into the Backyard Brawl. Just in a general sense, how excited is everyone at this table for the Backyard Brawl? Well, Ryan, let's
1: just... You know, let's start with you and, and the sadness and the pain that the backyard brawl brings you this year.
0: Because of thirteen nine? Oh, this year. This year. This year.
1: Because you won't be able to be there. so But I'll
0: be in a pretty good place. No, I
1: know, but I know At least at the
0: start of the game. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. But I'll be in a pretty good place. You'll be in a
1: pretty good place, but you won't be able to be there. So yes. we will think of you as we are there. And I will now. be thinking
0: of you guys as I am definitely sitting with my toes in the sand
1: totally yeah so i'm not going to lie i'm going to be a little sad whenever i roll up and see nothing that says heinz field and no ketchup bottles but that's fine the yinzer and we will let it go
2: not no no
1: they no. will be heinz will be represented throughout the concourse in a different way so no. they saved one ketchup bottle but it's not going to be a You know, it's Hmm. not going to be there like it used to be. It isn't the other
0: ketchup bottle somewhere else in Pittsburgh now?
1: That's what I'm saying. They Hmm. saved one of them. Yeah, and it's going to be somewhere, but it's not going to be front and center to my liking. So justice for the ketchup. So I think, obviously, a lot of excitement around the backyard brawl, an 11-year hiatus. I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that we're excited, but I think if we take, you know, the game out of it, what I'm most excited about is to see the fan attendance and just how much that is going to impact the game. I mean, of course, you have College Game Day that's going to be there. You have your favorite pregame show, Mountaineer Game Day, that's going to be there four to six on Thursday on your local Next Star Station and AT&T Sportsnet. We do hope that you would join us. Is there a Next so- Star
0: Station in Jamaica? You
1: know what? You'd have to, to check the local listings, Ryan. You might have to check them.
2: The good thing is you can catch a full replay on goldenbluenation.com. Exactly. So. We have
1: everything covered. Exactly. But I think that just being there in that environment is just the trash talk between both of these fan bases on Twitter. Um, it's almost one of those things is obviously you have the game that is the main attraction, but then I think that you have what is going to just be the dogfight between both of these fan fan bases that is something that I'm really looking forward to seeing especially since I mean I, I just personally know so many West Virginia fans that live in Pittsburgh as well so not only is it going to be a game well traveled but it's going to be a game to where even if you are a young fan or whatever who hadn't obviously, you know, wasn't born the last time these teams played or you never got to watch them because you were too young like most of the players on these rosters. I think that it's going to be such a great introduction to West Virginia football or if you're on the other side of the fandom, sure. Um, I think that there's just so many different things to look forward to within this game, but I'm most looking forward to just – it's going to be one of those moments where out there and I'm almost gonna feel like I'm playing because I'm just like, wait, turn, take in the scene, see what's going on. And two, there's gonna be so many West Virginia legends on this sideline. We know Major Harris is going. I'm pretty sure Mark Balger is going. We know Noel Devine is going. Steady ambition. He's gonna be there. Rashid Marshall is gonna be there. Um, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. But I feel like that's obviously not a limited list. I think Daryl Tally might be going. I feel like I saw that somewhere.
2: He lives in Buffalo. So, that's, not a, that's not a far drive. So
1: Right, exactly. So I think that that's going to add to it too. And I just, I mean, obviously for all of the people that West Virginia are going to have there, obviously Pitt will have their representation too. So I just think that everything this game represents and everything, the nostalgia that it's going to bring back, I'm just really looking forward to that happening. And I really hope that the outcome also can alleviate um, many, many years of a bitter taste in, some, in West Virginia fans' mouth. Get those bragging rights back. Rashid Marshall said it best on the Backyard Brawl doc. You win bragging rights for 365 days, which is one of the most important things whenever
0: you're talking Backyard Brawl. It, it would also alleviate some paperwork for Nick Farrell because it, totally. if West Virginia doesn't win, there's no telling if I actually board the plane back from Jamaica. I might just stay there.
1: Well, you know what, we wish we'll you the best. We would love we would love to have you back, but we understand,
0: right? Yeah. It, 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 i just might not physically be able to come back but, but we'll see I, it's only the first game i just game. might
1: have to leave to come make sure everything's fine with you and kylie exactly on your honeymoon and then like who knows what we'll will happen whenever i come back so yeah. like, maybe sam will just have to be honing down the fort yeah. for a really long time who knows
2: yeah. yep yeah. time sam, will tell yep well,
0: sam get your jackets dry clean because you're doing not enough for
2: minutes we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there <laughs> let's yeah. let's take it easy guys <laughs>
0: uh but, but sam you i guess your excitement level for the backyard brawl i, I believe you are also making the Trip up to Ackersure Stadium, R.I.P. a Heinz Field. Yeah. So, w- what are you lo- most looking forward to for the WVU season opener?
2: Well, right now I'm looking at StubHub, and you can't get a ticket oh, for underneath 120. Um, you know, and, and we lower t- than I thought you were going to say. It's actually, a, same here. Well, and that's and the it's lowest in one. The
1: standing in the standing
2: room. That mm, they have. Well, it, the on StubHub it's 122. Then the next one's 144. It just goes up and up and up. The highest is a club seat for twenty nine grand. So this has a big Ooh, okay, game okay. feel to it. You know, this these kind of ticket prices come in November. They don't come in September. So, um, I mean, the atmosphere is going to be absolutely unreal. It's going to have more more fans in that stadium than than a Steelers game probably. And I'm not trying to say that to poo poo the the little old Steelers, but you know, this is going to be a big, big game and it's it's going to be unreal. I, I like how he said little old Steelers with a diehard Gosh, Steelers he, fan he two looked seats right down. At me. I looked at her.
1: But I agree. I yeah. agree.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I won't be there. I'll be there in spirit, obviously. Uh, and I hope the fan split is accurately coming through my television set. Yeah. Because I, I like you, Angelica, and I know you've said this before as well, Sam. I want to see what that fan split is, whether it is pretty much a 50-50 split of WVU versus Pitt fans or whether one side really did kind of answer the call, so to speak, and buy up more of those tickets to this game. The other thing I would say, because I won't be there in person, is for you two who will be there in person and for anyone else who is going in. I would say take a second and take it in. Because obviously, we know this game is going to happen a couple more times in the near future. There will be a little bit of a break. Yeah, there will be a little bit of a break, and then it will happen again. But it, we won't see a first time in 11 years, hopefully, the rest of our lifetimes. Right. So, truly, I mean, I mean take it in for a second, send some videos and some pictures, make me extremely jealous. But uh, just, I mean, enjoy it. I, I think it's going to be a blast. I can't wait for next year when it's in Morgantown. Oh, the
2: one thing I do I want to say face. is I hope this game kind of builds that animosity between the teams themselves. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's easy to keep the, the, the animosity between the fans because that, that's really what it's about, you know. You, you talk about Yankees-Red Sox, which is the most heated rivalry in the U.S., arguably, and that's really a fan rivalry. But Pitt and West Virginia, the proximity of it, the the, the recruiting uh, dis- uh, discrepancies and all, all that, you know, if they can bring that back in the net for next year when it's in Morgantown, because we know that's going to be an angry crowd next year in Morgantown, if that can be replicated on the field by the teams, I think that would make it ten times better. For sure.
0: Yep, very well put. And obviously, you know, there's really no time to relax after that September 1st game because in just a couple of weeks after that, West Virginia will be making another Thursday trip to Virginia Tech, another old rival, so... At least for that one, I'll be able to look around and enjoy the sights and sounds of Lane Stadium, I guess, if I can enjoy the sights and sounds of Lane Stadium, we'll see. But uh, obviously, in between Pitt, the the backyard borough, and Virginia Tech, home opener versus Kansas on September 10th, and then September 17th, a Hall of Fame game versus Towson, a very stacked class being inducted this year into the WVU Sport Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, I know that Stedman said he will be back in town. Just going on the football side, um, Stedman, Tavon, and Geno Smith all going in um, in the same year. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think Geno will be able to join Hopefully us. Not. He might be a little busy.
0: Hopefully he's got a football game to yeah. get ready for.
1: And um, I I guess given maybe recent news, I don't know about Tavon. I don't know if where he will be come that time and if we will be able to see him. But um, I'll tell you what – Whoever comes there, any of those guys, I mean, that place erupted when Noel Devine was there. Uh, I think he might have been, was he the 2020 class, but they brought him, they did the yes. ceremony last year, right? Yes. I just wanted to make sure I got my years right. Um, like, I just think it, it would be such, just to see, I know Stedman was back for the Orange Bowl and everything, and everything, but in terms of this class going in, obviously a lot of really great West Virginia athletes make up a part of it, but when you think, West Virginia football recently too you think of those three right there Stedman table and Gino so I think that that's going to be uh, pretty great to just see and you know their highlights are going to be playing all through um you know the game and everything like that so even a little more extra energy to get up for Towson game you know what I'm saying so that'll be a uh, pretty great to see come that game
0: yes the students may dislike the 1 p.m kickoffs but uh, when you've got those Hall of Famers in attendance, it's hard not to get excited for arguably the best college football highlight tape that's ever been invented. Tavon Austin, maybe an even better WV wide receiver instead than Bailey statistically. It's it's a toss up. And then I know Gino won't be there. Obviously, we we hope for his sake he's not there because hopefully he's got a football game to prepare for. But uh, one of the top, let's be safe and say five. It's really three top three quarterbacks in WV football history, all being represented and inducted in the same class just uh, you know a few weeks after the greatest wvu men's basketball head coach gets inducted into you the per basketball say, hall of fame
1: talk about 1 p.m kicks but hey you get you get a 6 p.m for the yeah. Ooh, 6 kick, and then um you know 7 p.m ryan will be um at the site of where coach huggins is going to be inducted into the hall of fame so uh a lot of great things to be on the lookout for not only in terms of West Virginia football, West Virginia sports, but of our Golden Blue Nation coverage because we will have all of these great things that we are talking about coming to you on just about every single platform that we possibly can bring you yes. these updates on.
0: Lots of content. And of course, talking of content, we're going to have a Backyard brawl documentary put together by Jamie Green and Nick Farrell and pretty much everyone here at Golden Blue Nation uh, over the summer. So looking forward to that. That's going to be coming up here in just a couple of days. But I think that's going to put a bow on this Kind of long episode of the Golden
2: kind Blue of. Nation podcast. That drops August 28th. the, the documentary. August 28th Let's, is the official date of the that documentary. That, so that's a good point,
0: Sam. World. All
1: of yep. the information for it at com. Exactly.
0: Yeah, very much so. And, and we'll see if Jack Fleming makes an appearance or not. We'll see.
1: I'm <laughs> um, sorry to the man in our Facebook comments asking that question. So Probably not going
0: to be there. But hey, you never know. Maybe he makes an appearance. We, we haven't even seen the whole thing yet. So we don't know, truly. That's very true. We don't know if he's going to be in it or not. That's very true. Yeah, well, so that, that'll we'll keep get, get the people watching for sure. August 28th, that'll be all over our social media for sure. But that's going to do it for this football edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Of course, we'll be keeping you updated on the WV football team and all of the WV athletics programs all season long on TV daily with the Daily Mountaineer Minutes on the website, goldenbluenation.com, and on be always free Gold and Blue Nation app on your fable, favorite Apple or Android devices for Indelica Trene. Sam Caniglio, I'm Ryan Decker. This has been the Gold and Blue Nation Podcast, brought to you as always by Prit and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WP Law Firm.com.